What is up? What is happening? Welcome back to episode 132 of Skates at the Stakes. Two big wins for your New York Islanders. And ironically, the number, you know, 132, 32, Ross Johnston. He made his return game, the uh, Ross Union, as some of us were calling it today, to Long Island. And he got a very nice standing ovation, very nice tribute video. So as the uh, haters of Ross Johnston... I think the three of us, or at least Ryan and I, were very happy to see him getting a standing O and a tribute video because he did a lot of good on Long Island. Just wasn't the best hockey player, but that doesn't take away anything that he did. Yeah, it was a big a big week for returns on um, Long Island this week. The Islanders, kind of as we predicted last episode, wound up with four points out of four um, in these two games against Toronto, who we all know who came back to town. Uh, Luke Fox Jukebox of Sportsnet made his, his appearance on Long Island, as well as the rest of the other 18 athletic writers, um, and John Tavares, actually. Uh, but then, you know, we had a return for Ross Johnson with the Anaheim Ducks, and it was nice to welcome Ross back. You know, he got a really warm welcome showing that, you know, contrary to popular belief, it's a very classy crowded UBS arena. But, you know, I went to the Toronto game with Jake and then the Anaheim game tonight with AJ. So it's been it's been cool just hanging out with the buddies, going to the game, seeing the team win, even if it's in the least stressful manner possible. But Jake, I'll kick it over to you. How you doing, pal? Yeah, pretty good. Um two wins in a row or well, four in a row but two since we uh last talked to you guys um a very good tribute to ross johnson uh, even i was um on my uh on my feet um standing clapping for him on my couch um so good for him he deserves it um as much as i've hated on ross johnson over the years um played a lot of games here 154 not 154 right i believe it was like 130 but um, always a great guy. Uh, just wasn't the best hockey player, and that's the, you know it's not his fault. And um, I'm happy he's been playing over at Anaheim. And uh, we'll talk about the other game as well that me and Ryan went to. But uh, two in a row since we last recorded, four in a row in general, and you know the team's looking really good right now. I think we have to give a shout out to uh, the Ross the Boss account, and this must have been like his greatest day of all time. Not a bad word was said about Ross Johnson today at UBS Arena. I think, uh, you know, even if we had a lot of moments on this podcast over the years where we've just been very frustrated with Ross or why are we doing the Ross thing, um, you know, it was all love and appreciation for Ross who was able to find a nice home on Anaheim's fourth line. He had a breakaway. If he scored that, man, I would have been so upset. It would have been so poetic. It would have been funny. He would have... if. if he- if we won, if we won. Yes. If he scored, I would have wanted the entire Anaheim Ducks bench to clear and celebrate. They good, do that good, play by, good play by Bort. Very good play by Bort. They they celebrate uh, goals like that, right? You can celebrate your 57th career goal and have the entire team come out. <laughs> no? Okay. No other uh, big milestones happened at UBS this, this week? That would have been his 10th career goal, I believe. That, that's basically like 1,000 points, you know? Just add yeah. two extra zeros. No, but uh, kidding aside, thank you, Ross, for everything you did on, on Long Island for the community. Good locker room guy. It was really cool to see how much both teams really, you know, cared about Ross Johnston. Like, the Ducks guys are really into it. They got off the bench, some of them. So it was cool. Yeah, and he owned the Pittsburgh Penguins that one time, which was really sick. Um, you know, he had his moments here. Just, I guess, before we get into the games, we'll talk about Ross. But, 
yeah, he has moments. I, I don't think we really say too many bad things about him. And I think looking back, when we look at guys from this era of Islanders, he's going to go with Leo Komarov and a couple of other, probably to a lesser extent, Leo, Leo probably will hold a bigger place in our hearts. But, you know, as a depth piece, he's a guy who was always here with the team. And, um, you know, he was a part of some of the best years of our life, even if he played a smaller role than any other productive player. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of awesome. Here's my take on, on the tribute videos. I don't think everyone should get one. Everyone gets one now because this is a modern-day NHL. They want to show appreciation. And 100% I get it because the community work should definitely be appreciated and shown. How much... When, what year did Ross Johnson start playing here? Was it 15-16? I believe so. Let me double-check. And we got... He got, at, what, he got one game in 15-16, then he started playing more 17-18. When did we get Eberle? 16, 17, or 17, 18? 17, 18. Yeah. Okay. I think, that, was, okay. that was like the last four um, year. 17, 18. Yeah. I think if you had to put the two together, I think Ross Johnston deserved a tribute video over Jordan Eberle. I was having this debate at work today. I'm like, I don't think either guy technically should get one in the. NHL, the old NHL sense, but everyone gets one now. I think everyone was a great Islander, but I think if you had to give it to one, who would you give it to and why? I think I'd go to Ross just because he was here longer, even though he did play a lot less games. I think the community service aspect for doing, you know, all the community work for an extra three or four years does go a little bit further if you had to pick one. But obviously, Everly is a much better player, and he gave us a lot more more moments to cheer about. Um... I mean, Eberle would give you more moments. He played more games. Obviously, played better. Um, I know Ross. I mean, it doesn't matter because obviously they both got the tribute videos. But I, I think Eberle was a huge part of the early Trots Islanders and a huge part of that first playoff run. Obviously, so he obviously had the uh, big goal in the bubble as well. So I just, I just think he's more impactful as an Islander. But um, both got ones and both got good ovations. So. Yeah, I think anyone who gets over like fifty games can get a tribute video like one season. I I'm I'm not picky. I mean, it's just have the social media team or whoever puts that together put that together and you do it. I mean, it's not like that big of a deal. We're not hanging their number in the rafters. We're just giving them a couple minutes to reflect on their time here. And you know, anyone who can probably yeah full season maybe like fifty games. I think that would be my cutoff. But Ross and definitely Jordan Eberle deserve them. We know it's funny. What? Um, Bellows played 68 games, then get one. I think probably the limit's 100, if I had to guess. Yeah. Or not being a steroid user. Yeah, Bellows is weird. I mean, you know, Bellows got claimed off waivers. I guess Ross did as well, so eh, that's a weird case. Yeah, Bellows probably just like, you know, he was gone one day and then he was back in town the next weekend, so they didn't really do anything, but we'll see. I mean,. He yeah. sucked also. Yeah, it wasn't good. We got him on waivers? Ross? Yeah. Yeah, Ross was claimed off we didn't waivers trade by him. the Ducks. I thought we just I thought he was an undrafted free agent. No, 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 no. The Ducks took him on waivers. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I thought man we originally got him off waivers, so I was very lost. No. No. <laughs> that wouldn't have made sense. All good, but we'll take you guys back to Monday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. This was one of the biggest games in the NHL and a huge story in hockey this week. I mean this was one of the craziest games I've been to. Um, you know, the Islanders were back to sticking to the script where they went up big early. They uh, took a 3-1 lead and then blew it. John Tavares took his, 
you know, he scored the second goal of the game to make it 3-2, and they assisted the 3-3 tying goal. And then the Maple Leafs poured over the benches as they celebrated on the ice. They had the NHL's permission. Um, and they all went up and hugged John Tavares um, in their own end as the Islanders blew the game with six seconds left. And then there were thunderous boos at UBS Arena. The Islanders compounded the whole situation by showing a graphic for Tavares as he got his thousandth point. Uh, which led to even more boos, and it was just a raucous atmosphere, but in overtime, you know, Noah Dobson fished out a puck, sent it up ice to Matt Barzal, who sent it to Bo Horvat, who ended the game, and then the Islanders won and poured over the benches, and they were fired up. Big win for the Islanders, a uh, final score of, I believe that was 3-2? to two? Yeah, 4-3. Four, four, four four 4-3. Three, in overtime, um, and a signature win for this group, even if they're going to blow games, they've now mastered overtime to the point where they can win them, so, you know, this was an absolutely awesome game, I'm happy I got to spend time with Jake and go to it, but it was, it was explosive in the building, it was absolutely dynamite, and definitely the story of the NHL that night. Yeah, um, I guess I'll talk about my experience as well, um, because it's, it's become such a, such a thing now. Um, I just one guy talking about it constantly, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was great. Um, I said, uh, I was debating this with, um, friend of the program, Mike Bartner. He tweeted out that I hope he gets it and they lose. And I said, I hope he doesn't get it at all and they get crushed. But I will say it was really the perfect script ending. Uh, we'll, we'll break down the game further, but I mean, six seconds left. They tie it, and um, I mean, everyone came off the bench for two seconds, and then 50 seconds into overtime. Um, maybe the future captain of the New York Islanders scores an overtime to win them, and our bench cleared. So I, I think it was just the perfect script ending. It was so, you know, it was really fun to be there. Good crowd. It was real quiet. It was a little quiet at first, but the third period, it was really loud, which is good to see. And obviously, um, regardless of what AJ's poll results said, um, Honor fans made their thoughts known on John Tavares, and they do not like the guy. Uh, whenever he touches the puck, and it's not its not that we don't need your chant anymore. It's none of that, but there is constant booing whenever he's going to touch the puck, who's the face-off. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, really fun game, and they got the two points, regardless of blowing the lead. And I thought they played pretty well. Yeah, it's always a fun time when Toronto comes in town. We all hate each other. Um, I'm fine with the booing. I don't really... We don't need to be so emotional and dramatic about it. I know everyone got all riled up on Twitter by um, Paul Bissonette of TNT, who is uh, a Toronto Maple Leafs dick rider. Whatever, it's fine. It's his whole job to make bad sticks and piss people off. I don't care. I, whatever. Guy sucks. Yeah. yeah, and people people say, oh, get over it. Like, okay... When we play them, it's a thing, and then it's over until the next time we play them. It's it's really it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I guess I guess people are bored. I mean, we blew the game. Like we we lost a third period lead. We're not going to be cheering for the guys after that. And you know, Tavares got booed every time he touched the puck. But the Leafs just did that for uh, what's his name, Ryan O'Reilly, up in Toronto last week. Like everyone in the NHL gets booed sometimes. They booed Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, you didn't know that. Did not see. Yeah, that. yep, he did, they did. O'Reilly. Really? Then, Why? Because he left, and uh, they had there were problems in that locker room last year. I don't really know what they were, but apparently he was a problem, and he didn't have good things to say about them. But 
Yeah, it was like a, one of those situations. We boo Tavares. It's fine. It happens. You know, I there was a Toronto media broadcast I was listening to, Kiprios and Bourne, and they were talking about how John Tavares' poor father had to sit in the suite wearing a jacket because he couldn't let people know he would have the Tavares name on the back of his jersey because he would be scared for his life. And I was like, what What are we doing here? These aren't violent people. <laughs> this isn't a violent atmosphere. He's just getting booed. It's it's fine. It's an Islanders game. Just get over yourselves. But, yeah, yeah it's it's a mess. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I thought the script was great. Elliot Th- Friedman, like, he was very complimentary to the Tavares part of it. But it was great theater. It was it was a lot of fun to be a part of, and seeing it live was awesome. And I would take the two points and let him have his thousandth any day of the week. I don't know if that's like a a hot take. I would just take the two points. It embodies it, it embodied his entire career to this point. And what's really funny is when uh, I don't know who tweeted this, but in one tweet I saw he said that Islander fans are very classless, and then he said the Blue Jays should absolutely be no Tani. When they play him, yeah, that as if he played any games for the Toronto Blue Jays. Hey, he's also the biggest loser of all time. I, I'm done. I don't want to talk about the <laughs> Toronto media anymore. Giving them any more light of attention or brain spaces, Kill, wait, killing brain cells for no reason. The Matt Sundin discourse today. I, I just like I'm happy to get out of the Toronto bubble. I think this was probably the last time that the Tavares thing is going to be white hot. I think, like, everything from here on is probably going to be a lot more toned down. Like, there'll still be booze and everything, but I think, like, you know, just the theater of the moment, that's probably the hottest it's going to get. Um, well, it's it's been hotter. It was hotter that 228 game, um, the 6-1. But, like, you know, I just yeah. think going forward, the game's going to kind of level out a little bit. I think that'll be the last time it was it was really hot because of the circumstance around the 1,000th point and everyone in the arena knowing. Well... Regular season wise. <laughs> Regular season wise, if there's a playoff series, then it's gonna be like crazy, and I don't know. I just don't like getting talked down to by the Toronto bigwigs, but I try to ignore the Twitter bait. Like you can tell what's a genuine opinion, and you can tell what's bait if you kind of look at the tweet for long enough and don't reply right away. I just don't reply. I just yeah, read. Can. I just read and chuckle. Yeah. Like everyone's an idiot on Twitter anyway. I'll Except read you the guys. Article. I'll read the articles. Like the articles, I'll read. I'm not. I'm not spending time getting mad about 140 characters. Yeah, uh, Wachinski did a good job. Kind of. Uh, he was arguing with Carlo Koliakovo, who was being state an idiot. Too. Yeah, I saw a lot of people giving state praise for uh, the athletics article. Yeah, it was just an explainer. But yeah, which, what, what did Wyshynski say again? There was something along the lines uh, of like... Carly Akavo, to quickly sum this up to get over this topic, uh, Carly Akavo was like, oh, I understand, stop booing, grow up, yada, yada, yada. Uh, be re- it's so disrespectful, you're booing his uh, milestone like that for him. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. And then he's like, uh, and then, like, we're fans of the Islanders, we're not fans of John Tavares. He's not an Islander. Thanks for... If you want to say thanks for the first nine years of his career, that's fine. I am very thankful for the first nine years of his career. If you're not an Islander, I really don't care about you. If you fuck the Islanders over, I double don't care about you. Whatever. It's over. Uh, No one's really that emotional here, at least, about it anymore. People getting all fired up saying, traitor, snake. It's, It's not worth it. He is. Whatever. Say what you want. It's five years. Just put it put it in the past a little bit. Boo. All for booing, but like we don't need the name calling that crap anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, he got a thousand point. That was the Toronto's big celebration of his time there because besides the one playoff series win, they don't really have anything to show for it. Um, they they really don't have anything to kind of hang their hat on. No heart trophies, no real silverware for 91. I know the Matthews heart, I guess he played a role in that on power play and stuff. But, you know, no real playoff success um, besides the first round that they kind of won and then they got swept by the... Or, Pushed aside, I think it was a five-game series with the Florida Panthers that they didn't really get to enjoy too much the time they won in the playoffs. But it's fine. I mean, you know, you could say the same thing for us that we we celebrate winning two rounds instead of one. So I'm not gonna take it too personally. It's just you know the way the group responded and won the game was happy. Um, there was a lot of you know we did blow a lead. It got swept under the rug. But the defense is so decimated right now, and I hate to give them excuses, but they're playing with. Noah Dobson, who probably is a bona fide one in this league at the moment. Alexander Romanov, who I'd say on most teams is a three or a four. Um, worst case, he's a five, like fifth defenseman on most teams. And then you go down the list. Mike Riley is a sixth defenseman. Sebastian Ajo returned tonight, and he's a sixth defenseman. Scott Mayfield's a fifth or a sixth defenseman. He's been playing hurt. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo is a seventh on most teams. And then... Um, Samuel Bolduke's like an AHL second pair defenseman. This guy's a real jerk, and we'll get into the Anaheim game in a minute. But just for how decimated the back end was, they handled the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the most high-powered offenses in the league, pretty well. So I was pretty happy with the performance, even though the back end's completely decimated at the moment. I like Bortuzzo. Um, another good Italian. Bort. Bort, 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 Bort. Um, I think, yeah, I guess... <laughs> I guess for most teams, you, you'd be pretty bad if he's like a fifth defenseman for you. You can maybe sneak him in as a solid defensive defenseman six, but he's fine. It gives Mayfield a break right now, who's also injured again. But Two out of six of the, or four to six of the opening day lineup is out, and they're second in the Metro. Yeah, I mean, we all, not even that. It's more the fact that we, we're on a seven-game losing streak at one point this season. We're top ten in the league right now in points. Yeah, that that feels so, di- like, the, the Seattle and Vancouver games feel so distant in my mind. It's crazy. I think those games hurt more because most of us stayed up till 1 a.m. Yep. watching those shit shows. Like, I feel like if you ever lose those games, you're a little bit more emotional because now you've wasted all that time you could have been asleep and you're even more pissed off. But, yeah, that Seattle game really sucked because they are so bad. I was in could've Paris made some money. at 3 in the morning. Could have worked the late shift. Ryan in Paris. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were waiting for Lane to get fired and now it seems like he's kind of secured his job. I haven't been watching on TV, so I don't have a good handle of his body language, but, uh, you know, there was it's another... It's it's probably the same lane as always, which is fine. I mean, I think the group responds well to him, and they're winning for him. Um, does he probably encourage some of the uh, asshole tendencies that the group shows, where they blow leads? He could probably nip in the bud if he wanted to, uh, but he's just done a very poor job at that. So, you know, that's that's the Toronto game. Um, nothing really in between besides Scott Mayfield getting hurt. Um, any final notes on the Toronto game before we move to the Anaheim game? Bo Quavey um, that. Yeah. Just an unreal shot. Um, second line was great all game. Um, that goes without saying no adoption of three assists that game. Um, but that's just like common at this point, I guess. Great game on the second line. Great game on the first line. We'll get into them because they've been, like Lee has been 
I will apologize later, but he has been very good the past few weeks. And I think Hudson Fashing has been very good, too, recently. I'll hit both those points right now, because Brian and I kind of did talk about this at the game. Okay. The Anders Lee hate we had was because we knew when the team's bad and he's not playing good, stuff's not going to change. When he's playing at least average to above average, everything's so much easier on every other guy. He didn't score or get a point tonight, but he just played well. He got in the right spots. He always gets in the right spots, but he made you could just tell he made more of an impact tonight than he would have, let's say, game four or five of the season. It's just it's also always puck luck with him. He does need some puck luck, which isn't a bad thing. That's just how his game is. But yeah, when he's able to put like you know contribute a little bit more, takes pressure off of Barzal, Horvat, Nelson, Palmieri, Dobson, etc. Not that those guys are gonna fold under pressure because they're not. Barzal's been one of the best players the last two or three weeks. Dobson, Norris, candidate defenseman right now. Horvat, great. Nelson, great. Everyone's playing really good, but with Lee, um, like, Lee doesn't fit. Lee fits all right on the first line, but when he's at least, you know, contributing and making plays and helping guys out all over the ice, which he could do, still do, even though he's a little bit slower now, it just makes everything easier for everyone else. And then the Hudson Fashion Point, we found the perfect Matt Martin replacement so quick, so easily, and he was w- within our organization. We were worried about, oh, the fourth line not being the same when they don't play together because that was, that's been a thing since the beginning of time. Oh, when one of them's out, they're not the same. Martin's out, you put Fashing in, and you can't tell the difference. It's so good, man. And Fashing's obviously a lot better than Matt Martin now, too. So Yeah, I mean, Fash has been great. We kind of pegged uh, E2 Lucas down in Bridgeport as the Matt Martin <laughs> replacement. You shut your mouth. Don't laugh. Um, but we, uh, we you have did, a jersey. Yeah, Jake loves E2 Lucas. And he Adam sucks. Koivula, the identity line down in Bridgeport, the identity of not being good. Um, <laughs> you, mean the fir- you mean the first line in Bridgeport? Yeah, yeah, the bad line. Uh, which is, this is the bad place, as uh, Robin Salo says whenever he wakes up in Bridgeport. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's been tough, um, you know, to replace Matt Martin. He, he's kind of on permanent injury reserved right now. Um, it helps us accrue a little bit of cap space, if I recall correctly. But, you know, it it really doesn't do much. I think he's kind of... When he signed that four-year contract after the playoff run in 2020, I believe, um, after he signed that contract, they probably told him that you're going to make it three years of this deal and then we're going to start to phase you out. Um, and he's being phased out. I mean, he started the season okay. But, like, you know, it, 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 time was coming to an end on the West Coast trip for Martz, and it's it's time to move on, get a little faster on the fourth line. Cal plays fast, Casey plays fast, Hudson plays fast. And it's it's a good fourth line, the identity line 2.0. We just keep moving forward, we keep doing our thing. Martin's around the team, he gets to hang out. It's not like a Bailey situation where there's bad blood there, or at least that's how it appears on the outside. Uh, Martin's just going to be an elder statesman of the group and be with them. Uh, on league, you know, good captain. He's he's finally putting points on the board, and the team's gonna go as far as he's gonna go for a little bit. So if if this first line keeps clicking, it's we between the first line and second line, I think Money Puck has us as the having two of the top twenty lines in the league uh, by expected yep. goals. So or expected goal share. So pretty good, you know. Analytic darling, New York Islanders. The forwards are all right, and then we just gotta figure out the third line eventually. But it's getting there. 
Yeah, Lee Horvat Barzell has a 57.7% expected goals percentage, and the perfection line has a 57.2% expected goals. And Romanov Dobson has a 58.1%, which is leading the team. Yeah, it's a good pair. I mean, last year we went away from Romanov and Dobson when things start, weren't working at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, we, we tried it to start the year. We went Pelican Pulak, and then we went Romanov Dobson. And I think they were both not mature enough as players to, you know, be the best player on the line. But now that they've reunited a year later in their careers, the two of them have been dynamite together. Romanov's been awesome with, you know, making sure the back end's covered. And Noah's, you know, he's fun. He's doing some of the stuff that he was getting in trouble for last year, like pinching um, a lot and like keeping the puck in the zone. But he's become so much more of a competent hockey player and confident hockey player that... You know, he's just been awesome, and this guy's, like, AJ brought it up last episode. He's probably going to finish top five in Norris voting this year. Top three. Maybe top three. I mean, it's still early yet, but if he's point per... Well, if he's anywhere close to point per game, if he if he gets over 65 points in the league this year, he's probably going to finish on the podium. Maybe top one. As some would say, Noah Norris. Um, Yeah, like, I'm not going to wish... Uh, an injury upon Quentin Hughes, but I just want the race to be McCarr and Noah Dobson so I could kind of be happy either way. Obviously, I'd much rather Noah win, but do as we all know, and I've talked about many times on this podcast, I do really like Kel McCarr. But Noah, Nob- Noah Norris better. I almost said Noah Nobson. Yeah, but again, tonight's game, same issues prevailed as usual. The Islanders took a 2-0 lead. Kyle Palmieri scored the first one. AJ told me before the game, AJ in his case is Zika's jersey, told me uh, that Kyle Palmieri probably is going to score against Anaheim and gets one of his former team as ninth of the year. Uh, then Casey got a quick goal. Um, you know, it was a really nice goal for the second line in the second period, or the fourth line in the second period. AJ was in the Casey Zizekas jersey, so he knew. Uh, then Anaheim came firing back. Troy Terry, former future Islander, scored the first <laughs> one. Adam Henrique, former future Islander, um, p- potentially future Islander, um, scored again uh, to tie it up 2-2. Sam Carrick got one where Bulldog looked like just total jerk on the third goal of the game it felt like the same script was happening we were going to lose but the islanders got power play matt barzal beautiful power play goal and then simon holmstrom with the shorty to win it you know and you can't say enough good things about matt barzal season he's taking the jump again where last year he was looking like the old barzal this barzal looks next level this year he's playing confident he's putting the puck in the back of the net and already has 10 goals through i think 30 games now so Really good by Barzi, and then Simon Holmstrom's growth as a hockey player. Um, you know, a shorthanded demon. There's no one else in the league like him. And as a utility player, you know, in the first line, he's playing a perfect game. He's not a top sixer yet, but on third line and being so good on the penalty kill, you take this every day of the week. Um, Andy and Rono, absolutely wrong. This kid's a stud, um, and I love Simon. Chart boys, chart boys, what you gonna do? when they're just constantly wrong about Simon frickin' Holmstrom. Love Simon. Uh, Like Ian said, he is Swedish Josh Bailey, but he's so much better than Josh Bailey at the right... What is he, 22, 23? Yeah. Dude, he's going to have such a good NHL career. I'm very excited to see what he becomes. He's awesome. I love him. We all know how much we love Simon here. Elite. Yeah, Bailey was not this good in the penalty call. just wasn't. Or at this age. 
But that's also because the organization kind of fucked them over, but that's a story for a different day. Oh, um, by the way, back-to-back 20-minute games for Mike Riley. He's finally getting, like, an uptick in ice time. Hell so yeah. it's showing that they, they trust him more. He got um, like, he got hurt in the Toronto game, and me and Jake were breathless. Um, we thought it was... We thought who who would have known? Yeah, <laughs> and they came back. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Riley guy now. I think, you know, he's really been able to step up. Aho and Riley was chaos out there tonight, but I think it worked out pretty well. Um, and we might see that for a few games, but... You know, I think Mike Riley's been playing a lot better than Sebastian Ajo and making Ajo a little bit of expendable going forward. But, you know, we need all the defensive depth we can have at this point. Yeah, I disagree with the maybe trading Ajo take. It's obviously a good um, management idea to get rid of Ajo and, you know, bring in a nice asset, like a second to fourth round pick. Because who knows? You kind of spin a wheel with uh, defensemen for their values now, apparently. Um, not saying that Robert, Bort- uh, Robert, uh, that Bortuzzo should have got higher than a seventh round pick, but if he did, if he got like a fifth, I don't think anyone would have complained. Not us giving a fifth, but if another team gave a fifth, they'd be like, oh, it's like, all right, I guess. Um, I think we need as many guys as we can have on the, on the back end. I'm fine with waving Bull Duke. It'll suck if we lose him, but if we do, whatever. You got to keep Ajo around because if we're trying to win a cup, you need as many defensemen as we can that are NHL proven. Yeah, I trade him, but I will say when everyone's healthy, which no, that will never happen. Ajo's not in there. It's just not. Yeah, and that's fine. But but a really good for uh, seventh defenseman to have, and Bort is a really good eighth defenseman to have. Um, I thought I thought it was very good tonight. Um. We made a couple mistakes, but obviously the really good play on Ross, um, and I just thought he was solid. Um, needs to cut down the penalties a little bit. I don't think it was the best call, but he, he has accumulated a, quite a few penalties since he's been here. It was a cross check. Which is what check. he does. They called it a trip, but it was definitely a cross check. It was soft as fuck that late in the game, yeah. too. But, um, but, but it paid off. It paid off. Yeah, sure. Uh, we can go with that Let one. Let Simon Cook. Let Simon Cook. Um... I, to be fair to Bortuzzo, if you don't catch up with Ross Johnston on a breakaway, you might have a little bit of an issue. <laughs> that yeah, was uh, nightmare fuel. If he I, scored I, I that, man, if he would have scored that, I would have booed. Yeah, the team's embracing the pesky mentality again, and, uh, you know, everyone's, um, oh my god, David Pagnotta called him Lane Winbert. What the hell did they yeah, win? That was pretty I don't know. That's they're, terrible. They're trying to be like, oh, Islanders good again. Yeah, we're trying friend. to do fire just, Lindy stuff. For, I, just forget we exist again, yeah, please. Please forget we exist. Like, let's go back into the shadow. But, you know, we are on a pretty big winning run. We have 13, where we have points in 13 of our last 14, four game winning streak. You know, we, we I think, seven, one, and one in our past eight. I think that's the stat. Uh, good little, good, good little run for the Islanders. And this is, you know, we're kind of getting into that trots formula of starting the season struggling and then really hitting our stride in December. And we have some tough games coming up, but this week, the last episode, I felt like three out of four would have been cowardly and wanted to give them four out of four. I'm very happy we have four out of four the past two games and hopefully the wins keep coming, but the schedule is going to get tougher. What are we, 9-1-4 in our last, like, 15 or 16? Something like that. The NHL Network tweeted out today. Yep. After we won, obviously. So that's cool. Um, Just win. I know the schedule's going to get a little bit tougher now. We got uh, Boston Friday, even though they just lost to New Jersey. New Jersey's, New Jersey's been a lot better recently, too, to be fair to them. But 
we'll see how they uh, do in the long run. Obviously, they were very good last year, but maybe that gold thing is kind of important for some teams. Interesting food for thought. And then we have Montreal literally the next day in Montreal. So not, uh, no, Bell Center is never easy. I feel like we are pretty good at the Bell Center. Do not bring up that game last year that we lost in overtime at the Bell Center. That game still gives me a little bit of PTSD losing that game in overtime. Yeah, that was right before we started winning some games. Um, and that was before the Horvat trade the week before. But yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, Boston's. A no, tough... no, no. Didn't, didn't he score that game? Yeah, he, yeah, both scored was that, that game. I yeah, that, was that, was right a, that was after we had him. Yeah, that was when we lost like a few shootouts in a row, and then Barzell got hurt. Yeah, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah, that I was the same that. week we lost to that uh, bu- uh the Mandalorian Ottawa goalie. <laughs> What's yep. his name? Mandolin, whatever. I call him Ma- Ma- Mandolin. I call him Mandalorian for the meme. Oh yeah, that's when Lou made the curb your enthusiasm face. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Boston is a boogeyman for us, but we're playing them at home, so maybe we have a puncher's chance and the Bruins are a little weak right now. Uh, missing Pavel Zalka and I think McAvoy, yeah, um, as well as they're having some issues on their back end. And then Montreal away is a tough one to win, but I really would like to win that one. So I'll go with two points out of our next four. I'd say we win one of them, but what do you guys say? Give me three. Give them three. Yeah, I'm going to go three also. Uh, thing is, I think we could actually beat Boston and uh, lose in overtime or shoot out to Montreal. But if they don't do well, I'm not going to be too upset. Uh, I, I would like at least one win. One win would be nice, but I'm not going to freak out if they do lose both. They've been playing so well, they can. I don't want them to slip at all, obviously, because I want them to catch uh, the Rangers, who aren't that far away from us now, and they got absolutely smoked by our Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, our Toronto Maple Leafs, because we're not playing them anymore. Uh, that was, yeah, that was another funny thing. It's like, I, I, I said after, the day after, because they played the Rangers the next night, I'm like, oh, I hope Tavares ends tomorrow night with, like, 1,005 points. Let them fucking torch the Rangers up. Yeah, exactly. Like, once they were able to beat... You know, the um, once they were able to beat the Rangers, then the Leafs are good money. It's just getting past that one game we play them. And, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward. We really, a win over Boston would be so huge for this group and just keep the good momentum running because this is the time to bank points because next week we have a stretch of, I believe, Washington, Carolina, Pittsburgh. And all those games are, you know, going to be, what, four-pointers, so... We'll see. Some boogeyman mixed in, but we do face most of them at home, so we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, feeling pretty good about the team. Anything else, Islanders adjacent, before we kind of wrap here? You want to talk about how bad Bolduc is, or how is that just... We it's sweeping over it yeah. so many times. Just, okay, we can get At this point, he's the organizational ninth defenseman. Like, he's such a bum, and I, I really hope that he could find some kind of trade for him. But he's just... He really isn't putting it together. He made a bad mistake and left Marley out to dry. Um, even though Bertuzzo, I think, got caught up ice. He was just like a one-on-one Bolduke is man and Barley. And Bolduke didn't even make a play for the puck. He just kind of stood there. So he's really frustrating to watch. Um, this would have been the game. Last year, Robin Salo, our boy, he, he lit up the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, this game, Bolduke just didn't show any fire, didn't want to put the puck on net. Uh, I think this would have been, like, the last draw for us to really see some fight from Bolduke, and we didn't get anything. And I think once Mayfield or Pella come back next week, 
uh, he'll be the first man out. I think to be fair to Bull Duke, I think he when he he did try to poke the puck out. I think it the puck uh, Sam Carrick shot the puck, hit his stick, and went in. But it was like a very light deflection, if even that. All Bull Duke had to do was just step up and use the body a little bit more and knock the guy over. Take I, a penalty. Take take or just make a good defensive play. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you. Thanks. I know, but you could take a penalty right there, just like, you know, just trip him or something. Don't let him get an open shot like he went top corner. It was frustrating. We'll see. Um, you know, Varley after. Oh, yeah. Godier, you know, is someone that I'm not completely happy with, but the third line, you know, Pajot and Holmstrom have good chemistry, and I like Godier a lot better than Oliver Wallstrom, um, obviously, but... You know, if, if we ever want to give Ishikov a chance, I know there were some shouts for Carson Kuhlman today. I don't see that happening, but, like, if we want to give, um, you know, some kind of rotation or a younger guy, maybe be it Maggio, who doesn't seem ready, or Ishikov, yeah. who's been pretty good this year, give someone a shot on the third line, I'd be down for it. But, you know, Godier's been fine. He, he's very shift-to-shift if it's going to be a good effort or a mediocre one. And he had a pretty good chance tonight that he kind of smoked. Yeah, there's only one player deserves a call up, and that is Nishikov. They might not want to rush him; they might just want to keep him down there. And I think Gautier, even on his down nights, which has been a few in a row now, I think he still offers you more and more with his speed and his physicality. Um, so I'm just keep him in, um, and hopefully has a you know good games going forward. Yeah, and Nishikov's magic beans down there, like you could throw him in a trade. <laughs> the classic beep. Yeah, Never you, ends. you could throw him in a trade, uh, Ishikov, and, you know, other NHL teams aren't going to have an NHL sample size for him, so he's still going to be a valuable asset down there, but once you bring him up to the show, then people are kind of going to know that he's, uh, he might be, you know, an AHL merchant, which I don't think he is, I think he's going <laughs> to shop, but, you know, I think we're getting close with Godier, but he still has another game or two of leeway in the lineup. He is truly, uh, Ishikov is truly no Chris Terry. I mean, to be fair to Godier, he uses his speed really well, which I think he gives him the edge over, obviously, Walsham and any other guy you could really argue for now. He almost scored a beautiful goal tonight. Until he's a negative, I think the third line's playing very well, so I think you kind of got to keep him in. It's more for me, let's get to the deadline, see what we can get around there. Uh, maybe look at someone from the Kraken. I know they're bad, but they have a few guys you could really use on that team. It all depends because I just don't like we we need a pure rental for a change and we never get a pure rental obviously which is usually a good thing for us, but we'll see when it gets closer. I still think Gautier is the guy for now, and I yeah. here's kind of a hot take I guess I don't think we see more than four or more Oliver Wallstrom games as a New York Islander. No, no, he, he's he's done. No, someone will get hurt. He'll play more than four, but we'll say it. Screw it, hot take. He doesn't play more than five more Islander games. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I mean, I'm I'm just very over watching him play, but um, he deserves NHL games at some capacity because even Kiefer Bellows got a couple games like in the starting lineup for another team, and people value uh, people eat our patties. I mean, like you know, someone would scoop him up if someone's starting Ross on the fourth line. We'll we'll see what happens with Wallstrom. You know, there were some shouts this week to go get Kuzmenko, go get Verana. Uh, I don't really think we need a scoring option for this third line spot. I think we just need someone who plays a dynamic two-way game and can complete the shutdown line. I saw shouts for Parise. Maybe we could go a different direction here. I love Zach more than the next guy. I mean, everyone knows I love Zach, but 
there's there's no real good option here, um, you know, internal or free option. So we're going to have to make a trade, and um, something will happen eventually. But, you know, the trade deadline, we'll, we're going to ready up in the new year for that. But I, I think we've hit a point with this Islanders team where we're pretty confident in it, and I don't think we need to burn the first-round pick. But we'll see what we do. Yeah, like you said, goal scoring isn't really that big of a thing. I don't think Kuzmenko would mesh that well because one of his issues right now in Vancouver is he's really not playing a, a team game. It's over uh, me, over team right now for him, which you really don't want to see. He's a very good, young, talented player, but it's like, oh, I scored a goal, but also he did, he made two, he's like a dash too. So I know plus minus isn't everything, but if you're going to be a negative on the def the defense more than a positive on the offense... That's going to be a big issue, especially for a guy like Rick Tockett, who's probably the favorite right now to win the uh, Jack Adams and probably is going to win it because obviously he's a media darling, but he's also a very good coach. Um, And then Verona, I think Verona, Verona could be that piece that could really, you know, push us over the top. But as a third liner with that contract, I think for another year or two, it, we, we don't need it. And Simon Holmstrom has eight goals this year. None of those guys... I don't think Kuzmenko has more goals than Simon Holmstrom, if I recall. And I know Verona doesn't. Verona doesn't have more than eight points, I'm pretty sure. So, it's kind of that. I think that's about it, if you're going to look up the Kuzmenko thing right now. Uh, I will. Okay. What did okay. you want to say about Varley? Oh, Varley. He had his worst game. Probably his worst game this season night. But it yeah. wasn't that... Like, he wasn't bad, but the first 54 minutes of the game, he wasn't really spectacular, which that's fine. But he gave up, I think. Smanko's got five. Simon better. Um, <laughs> Simon Holmstrom's really good at hockey. I will push this narrative every day. Uh, Varley had probably his worst game of the year. He didn't really see the puck very well. Defense didn't help him out at that much at times, but also the Ducks aren't good. They didn't have that many shots. I think he allowed three goals on 10 shots or three on... It was at least two on 10, which was annoying, but it's fine. He really clutched up at the end of the game, though. He definitely won us that game the last two minutes after Simon scored. So thank you, Varley, for that. He's allowed to have a stinker, and he brought it together when we needed him the most. Yeah, and then, you know, while we're talking goalies, broken clutched up against the Leafs, and he looks like he's back in form, even if he gave up three. You know, it was just kind of wave after wave of offense until he kind of had to give up one eventually. But, you know, Ilya and Varley, best tandem in the league. I think a lot of people like to ignore the goalies on their team um, and just act like it's voodoo and random. But the Islanders have a tandem that's working, and we see with some of the other elite teams in the league, like Boston, that these teams take their tandem, they trust it, and then they're going to ride it to the promised land. And that's what it feels like the Islanders are doing right now. But yeah, without further ado, uh, we could wrap it up here. You can follow the me on Twitter at Radmar, and you can follow AJ on Twitter at Davido Hockey. You can follow Jake on Twitter, at, of course, at Prime Jakey. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Skates and Steaks. Uh, you can find all of our other socials there. And, yeah, no, thanks for sticking around with us. Give us five stars if you can. We really appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go, Islanders.